welcome to another episode of Dice Talk. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Jerundu. And today we have a guest from our very own Majestic Goose Network, Danielle and Wah. Danielle. Well, I've never called you that. Danny, <laughs> no. why don't you uh, introduce yourself to everybody and uh, let them know the different projects you're involved in and just kind of all the geeky stuff that you like to do. All right. Well, I am Danny, and yeah, you can find me on the Majestic Goose Network. I do play Layseth on Roll for Weird, and I am one of the hosts of That's Pretty Crafty along with Dragonbait, where we talk about various uh, nerdy properties and make a craft of some sort that is vaguely related, sometimes more strongly related than others. Um, theoretically, we talk about the topic. Um, <laughs> Sometimes we're better about it than others. Then you also have a special guest every now and then, don't you? We do. Um, we do actually have lots of different guests. We've had uh, three so far, two so far. We've got another one coming up, um, but we get various friends and uh, relatives to come in and make stuff with us, which is kind of fun. And then, of course, one of the major things about uh, that's pretty crafty it sets it apart from dice talk besides that being crafty being successful and good and dice talk being a sham and a waste of our time um, your time, maybe. <laughs> um is that it's live which is pretty cool it's a live stream can you tell our uh, listeners how often you stream that we stream every other tuesday at seven eastern and it is a two-hour stream generally um you know runs a little bit long a little bit short sometimes and uh, you get uncensored versions <laughs> of us. <laughs> we're not playing characters. We're playing ourselves. And um, mistakes are often made. We, we craft. Um, some of us craft more than others. And uh, it may show from time to time. And, you know, we're human. And uh, the mistakes are half the fun. Absolutely. Uh, I've don't often get to dip in uh just because of time zones but um when i do it's always an absolute blast so uh, i i love catching up when i can yeah it's great having people in the comments we usually have some pretty good chatter going in the comments and that helps us keep going too you know it's kind of boring to just watch someone make something for a while it's great that there are two of us to bounce back and forth but the comments really make it we've got great audience and you have a lot there's a lot of people that tune in. I feel like it's our most popular stream. I'll be right back. Something is happening with the dog. <laughs> Sorry about that. She stole a loaf of bread. <laughs> of course she did. All right. So as much fun as it is to talk about, um, that's pretty crafty. You are here to talk about a different topic today. So our topic for today's episodes is all about bards. Everybody's favorite class, bards, whether they know it or not. It is their favorite class. <laughs> and if not, it will be by the end of this episode. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, they're just, they're so versatile. Um, you know, a lot of people have in their head sort of um, a classic version of the bard. You know, the, the singing little maybe jokester who is maybe the slutty one of the group and uh, makes inappropriate jokes. And, and that sort of, I guess, the, the stereotype of a bard mm. but bards are so much more than that that's true yeah not every bard is bard from the witcher like bards can be other things than just that like character that like uh singer and storyteller but 
that's not to say that that's not a good bard to play as. I mean, absolutely, um, bards tr- traditionally in like a medieval sense were singing, but a lot of it was also just a way to pass stories. And by recording it to not recording it, but by uh, singing it to music, it was easier to remember. And then um, I will say it's pretty interesting that when making fantasy games and Dungeons and Dragons and stuff, they thought of a bard as being a viable option. But with all the awesome abilities they have, I'm glad they did. The core concept around a bard is not necessarily to be, you know, as you said, a musical bard. The four-year-old, two-year-old, sort of bard. But the core concept is performance, and that performance can take any form that you like, essentially. Um, your magic is interspersed with your performance, whether that's dancing or singing or tell, cracking jokes or scat, or anything, any kind of performance, juggling even, you know, anything. You can you can rationalize that in, in ways that, you know, make it a very versatile um, class from a role-playing perspective. But as you say, mechanically, you're a bit like bards traditionally are sort of like a jack-of-all-trades um which sort of makes them fun to play because you've got a little bit of a dabble in you can build it through subclasses in any in any way you really like but you can sort of dip dip into um any other class really and it, it sort of makes sense mechanically um so yeah i like bards and um they don't all have to be i roll to seduce the dragon <laughs> exactly Speaking of a jack of all trades, I mean, that's, in my opinion, one of their best abilities. And it's something you get at level two. And that is, you know, obviously, if you're proficient in a skill, you add your proficiency bonus. But as a bard, any skill you're not proficient in, you're still kind of good at. So you get half your proficiency added to that, which is pretty amazing. And that is, like you said, it's the jack of all trades. Mm -hmm. We were talking about how not every bard has to be that, you know, singer with a with a lute or whatever running around just buffing the party. And I think now that they've expanded beyond the original uh, two colleges from the player's handbook, there's seven different colleges now. So I think more than ever, that statement is true, that you could play these bards in such different ways. What are some of your favorite uh, colleges? And even if it is some just the original Valor or Lore or something, that's fine. But I like all the different interesting ones. There are a lot of them out there. Um, one of the ones... I've really enjoyed is the uh, the College of Acapella that is um, a supplement. I think it's available on DMs Guild, written by the Critical Bard. And I really enjoyed that one. But I do, I tend to go with the classics, mostly because I like to add my flavor through the character itself, not just through um, what I've been told I can do with it, if that makes sense. Um. I started, my very first character when I played was a bard. And this was, ooh, this was back in 3.5. So things were a little bit different. You didn't have the same colleges set up. Um, yeah. And she actually quickly multi-classed into a shadow dancer, which I don't think exists anymore. But man, I try my best to find ways to bring that stuff back into the game. Um, but her specialty was dance but also not being there. Um, it was a very roguish sort of move. And I like that in that um, it, it lets you use your skills a little bit more subtly. I'm a big fan of the, the subtle bards. I'd, I'd rather have sort of a whispered poem rather than a song 
to inspire my my allies in combat, if that makes sense. Things that maybe, you know, the bad guy isn't going to hear from across the way as we're fighting. And I think that's why the, the College of Acapella really appeals to me, because there's no instrument required. It's it lets you be a little bit more subtle, and that's that's just part of how I like to play. But I have seen some absolutely amazing bards played in so many different ways. I think the range is part of my favorite reason to play this class. And we're not, we're not sorry. Oh, range <laughs> with the diversity. Yes. <laughs> I'm not familiar with the Shadow Dancer Bard or the Bard. What is it? You said the Bard of the... Yeah, yeah the Shadow Dancer is um, a, an entirely separate class in 3-5. Oh, okay. Well, I was going to say they do have the College of Whispers, which um, has a lot of abilities like shadow and psychic energy attacks and yeah. uh, words of terror. And you can whisper things. Yeah, you can like whisper to them to make them basically go insane and get really scared or you could like intimidate them. And like you said, if you just use those little bit abilities and then play into it with the flavor and the way you play the character, you could probably get something that's similar to whatever a shadow dancer is. I mean, in my mind, it sounds yeah. like kind of like that, but I don't know much about it. There's a couple of different ways that I play bards. There's a traditional sort of type of bard that I played for your all bards game, Danny. It was John Tomes. Hi, everybody. I'm a, a sort of parallel universe version of Tom Jones. I know all the classics, so I played him as like uh, a, a sex icon, sort of famous gnome bard. Um, and then the other kind of bard, I think I play Silas is kind of a bard in Roll for Weird, mm -hmm. in that is a lot of his stuff is charisma based. So, and that style of bard is more sort of not subtle at all. It's he's there to be a distraction essentially. Um, to be captive, to purposely hold as many people's attention as possible while other people do other things. Um, like pretending to be a pastor. Oh, praise, <laughs> the, praise the Lord. And being as much of a, a, drawing as much attention to themselves as possible, which is, you know, something that I like to do uh, away from games. Uh, <laughs> um, so, but yeah, I, how that would translate into a, uh, a a college, I'm not necessarily sure. But certainly with Tom Jones, I like uh, John Tomes, I should say. I went for College of uh, Law because the amount of flexibility that you get from being able to select spells that are appropriate for your flavor or because you, you know, for whatever min-max kind of build you want to do, it gives you access to all the different spell books. So, um Again, it plays into that kind of versatility and the ability to pick and choose aspects from other classes potentially, or you know, right. um, have have more tools at your disposal um, to play the game, which is always uh, fun. It's nice to have more toys in the box. For some people that might not have played bards before, you might you probably know that their main their main focus is charisma based uh, skills and things like that, and so a lot of their characters are going to be very charismatic. Or, uh, I mean, we like you said, you can play it like a shadow something, be like really intimidating and not be that cheery type of fellow everybody thinks of. But their second best skill is often their dexterity. And that immediately, in my mind, always makes me think about multiclassing and then wanting to multiclass into a rogue. And with yeah. the, even the level yeah. and the little skills you get at low levels in rogue, combined with some of the things you get as a bard, you can make a pretty ridiculous combo. And... I think for that reason, 
right there, that's why my favorite bard college is the College of Swords. It gives you so many just little skills that normally when you think of a bard, it's like, oh, they can sing and they can buff everybody and they can be fun role-playing situations, but then they got to run and hide in the middle of a battle. They have to stay far away and just keep buffing the people on the team. But with College of Swords, it's not really like that. They're getting a couple different um, abilities that make them seem more like a fighter than a bard, but they still get to keep all those awesome skill buffs. They still have like a wide range, like the Jack of all trades type thing. Um, I think college of swords is, I'm not, I don't know that it's my favorite one, but it's certainly one that that always catches my eye when I'm thinking about making a bard. I like that. There's so much variety in the colleges. Um, Jerundu mentioned the, the bard game that I ran, um, for my birthday this past year, (laughs) we ran a game that was all bards. Every single character was a bard. And I think everyone chose a different college. And everyone had completely different sets of skills and completely different characters. Um, so we had uh, John, Tomes, John Tomes, who was our, our lounge singer. We had Pastor Brad, who uh, walked around <laughs> My least guitar. favorite character I've ever played. He <laughs> was such a fun character. <laughs> and you did it so well. Um, who else? We had... A himbo Chippendale. That was just a yes. youth pastor, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we had the youth pastor. We had the the Chippendale dancer. Uh, we had a medium. We had a stand up comic. Uh, so just a huge range of different ways of being a bard. And I feel like a lot of people who are drawn towards playing bards are the sort of people that I look at in real life and say, "Yeah, you're you're a bard." <laughs> um, like I look at myself, and I think that's part of why I'm drawn towards bards is that there are so many things that I do I'm not going to say in my day job because my day job has nothing to do with who I am but you know I I dance and I sing and I write and it's a great way to express myself and I love being able to use that in a character without just playing myself if that makes sense yeah absolutely I mean I'm similar I was in a I was a lead singer in a, a metal band for five years or more. So um yeah, I like singing. So <laughs> so so sue me. I'll play that classic singing bad um all day long. Just because I as you say, it's an outlet. Um and allows you to do things that you could perhaps creatively wouldn't have done in another you know, doing it that thing on its own. So in a in my posi- in my position of a lead singer of a heavy metal band, I wouldn't be doing uh, fantasy Tom Jones parodies, for instance. No. Um, so it just it gives you an avenue to explore that creative side of yourself, and also to d- take it in directions that you perhaps wouldn't um, be able to otherwise. It's quite freeing in that respect. I feel like people give the bard class shit, even though it's so good. <laughs> it's so amazing. And I feel like the only people that do that are people that never went and tried to make a character and play one. Cause even just mechanically wise, they're actually very good. And then mm-hmm. on top of that, they're just really fun to play. Cause it gives you, it's like I'm roll for weird. When I play shadow, it's really hard for me to be myself. Cause I'm a lot more charismatic than shadow is. But if I'm playing a bard, I can be myself more. I can be more charismatic and I can really like play this, ridiculous larger than life character and i think the bard Mm -hmm. class even though of course you can do that with any class i think it gives you permission like you yourself feel more like you're allowed to 
really be some more uh, ridiculous character when you're playing a bard. Um, it's specifically tied to your abilities, isn't it? I mean, all your charisma-based abilities are personality-based. So, um, you know, it, it, it actively encourages you to flex your personality a little bit more than other classes would because you are actually, you know, going to be probably the party face a lot of the time as well. Have um, either of you ever played the game Octopath Traveler? It's a role-playing, it's a RPG uh, on the Nintendo Switch. Yes, no. So it's similar to like some of the older Final Fantasy games, like six and, and earlier. And one of the main characters is a character named Primrose, and she's a dancer, and that's her class. So you have like your normal different warrior and mage type classes that you'd expect in an, a role playing in an RPG for you know, like a game. But then you have Primrose is this dancer, and she has all these awesome abilities that are like have to do with entrancing or seducing the other person. But then she like deals some damage, and it deals extra damage because they're entranced and I feel like that's something that is getting more and more common in different games. It seemed like earlier games in the 90s, there's a lot of video games where you have a bard, a similar bard type class that's often like a dancer. And then I didn't see sure. those for a while. And then now I've seen like three different games where the a bard like character is is popular or the we mentioned the Witcher in that TV show. Everybody really liked the bard character. Um, I think just like D&D has become a little bit more mainstream and a lot more popular amongst just the main crowd. I think the bard class itself is, is becoming more accepted and, and like one of those classes people really want to play. I think it's becoming more popular, especially as um, more theater kids are getting into D&D. Mm -hmm. uh, like, I, I come from somewhat of a theater background. I've got shows that I did in the past and I'm still involved with a couple of different things. And the people that I've played with who are also theater people are great bards um, and they they tend to go for the the charisma classes they tend to go for bards um, they tend to maybe not go for things like fighters that are more mechanically based they go for the characters where they can be creative and sort of put more of themselves into the characters sure. so I think you're seeing a little bit of a, a change in popularity of that sort of character as the group of people who are playing D&D sort of expands and grows a lot of the uh newfound popularity of the bard might have you know it might have something to do with the fact that they just keep coming out with new colleges they keep coming out with new mm. subclasses of the bard and so now that it's you know you still only have two and now they've come out and there's seven of them and then like you said there's all these homebrew ones and i think now there's just such a variety um and, and that's like how it is with all classes now but there's such a variety i think people are really seeing like oh that's cool or i never thought of a bard in that light like the College of Whispers, you never thought of them as being some sort of creature that only whispers the stories that are forgotten in the past, like knows mm -hmm. these secret spells and things that other people don't even dare speak of. Uh, like that's a pretty cool take on a on a bard. And then you have things like the like College of Creation, where it's all about creating uh, new things and not just songs and poems, but new life. And uh, it's almost like moving into a druid type class so there is so much variation i just think about to go back to sort of the potentialities for multi-classing as you have you know i, I love multi-classing anyway because i like kit bashing and putting different bits together and putting square pegs through round holes and so on um but i think the as you say with your secondary stat mainly being decks i think a monk would be a good one that you could also uh, branch into um for your renown bonuses and things like uh, you know uh, your uh, 
unarmed uh unarmored damage you know ac buffs and, and so on um i like to approach it from the perspective of like of of being a professional performer so like with john tomes i tried to pick spells that would be useful for him as someone who might be mobbed by large crowds of adoring fans so things like pass without trace and mage armor and you know that's that kind of thing but you could you can easily be encouraged to um to multi into something like fighter say if you have a lot of strength and you can you can there are variant rules where you can use say your strength modifier to you do a performance check if your performance is bending a steel bar in front of somebody and you think about all the different varied forms of entertainment that people enjoy um professional wrestling a professional wrestler is is in addition to doing being incredibly physical is required to do promos and things like that all of which need a little bit of the gift of the gab so even if like just these one like levels here or there of like bad into an otherwise you know um martial build or uh whatever um can really make sense from a sort of performative um respect you know and i think that's a lot of a lot of people have bad qualities in them that they might not recognize. And I think that's true of characters too. Um, soldier musicians, you know, um, any, any war poets and, you know, anything like that, um, that we can look at in history. These, these are all examples of things that you can put, you know, those are bad qualities in people who are not necessarily professionally bad. Um, so, yeah, as a utility class, a bard is 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 um, perhaps second to none. I think. Yeah, I like adding a bard to a relatively small party. Um, in the home game that I run, we, the players don't have a cleric. They just somehow no one wanted to play one. There are only four of them, and so the bard does most of the healing in the group, with a couple of the healing spells that he has access to. So it's great that. You know, he can do his bard stuff, but he's also got the role of being the healer. Um, I've played bards, again, using the College of Swords, who take on some fighter role. They're not the main tank of the group, but when you've got four people and only one of them's good at dealing hits, it's great to have that bard who has the flexibility. Yeah, it could be a substitute for mm-hmm. pretty much any role within the party. They can drop yeah. into it uh, if necessary, depending on how Jeff- you've built them, obviously. Right. With the jack-of-all-trades, too, it lets them sort of, you know, okay, so you may not be a great rogue, but hey, you can at least try to pick the lock or try to check for traps, sure. whereas, I, I you know, I had to live by my wits in arm that time for six months when we didn't get paid after that gig. It was terrible. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Yep. Jack-of-all-trades, master of none. Yeah, well, I, mean, I think the, the, I think bards, again, are, like conventionally are supposed to have travelled around a lot, so they've got a lot of lived experience of just being in a lot of different places in a lot of different situations and having to live by their wits. Um, but again, that's that's the traditional sort of bard, but that's no reason to say that you couldn't play a completely sheltered um, ingenue or, or whatever um, out in the world being surprised by how nasty it can be. Uh, because bards can be from all different kinds of social statuses um, and backgrounds, you know, depending on what your uh, performance is and how well it's received in any given area. But you can go back to, again, to a historical example, like one of the, I think Henry VIII's favourite performers was a guy called Roland the Farter. (laughs) 
So, and that, you know, that's the King of England. His fa- One of his favourite acts was a guy who farted professionally. So um, quite what his act consisted of is lost to history, but um, it must have been pretty, pretty, pretty goddamn funny. <laughs> uh, for his name to echo down all these, all these years later. So take that as highbrow, as low as you like. Well, and with the, the charisma being such a, a big part of it, because they can come from any background, they can also sort of fit in almost anywhere. Uh-huh. You can take a bard and they can go and perform for a king. They can go perform at the tavern down the street. They can perform in the little shithole at the end of the road where no one goes and it's a rough crowd and they can still fit in there and, you know, not get beat up because they fit in. Yeah. That's it. They're, they're ev- kind of like an ev- an everyman sort of uh, so. Apologies for using a, a gendered term there, but uh, an every person um, that can just fit in wherever they like by virtue of their easygoing charisma. Or, but I think charisma again is something that traditionally people have just associated with physical attractiveness, which is I think where we get the idea of the seductive bard creep prowling around the place. Um, but charisma, as we all know, is much more than just hot or not. There's there's more to it than that. Um, and all kinds of personality types and uh, and so on can have charisma. It's just how likable you are, essentially. So, right. um, I mean, there's a reason that both uh, persuasion and intimidation are based on charisma. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You can have negative charisma. You can be so appalling that you're fascinating. Um, I mean, that that is not necessarily because you, of your physical appearance, just be, the way that you act is just so out of the ordinary that people are fascinated by it. And we will get right back to the conversation after a quick break to thank our sponsors. Hey everybody, this is Jeremy and I just wanted to take a moment to talk to you about our newest sponsor, Abide Asteria. So Abide Asteria is this brand new tabletop role-playing system and it is unlike any tabletop game that I have ever played before. So you actually don't even use dice. This is a card-based system, and you don't need to buy, you know, some Abide Asteria cards and then buy some new ones with an expansion or anything like that. All you need is a standard deck of playing cards, and you are ready to play Abide Asteria. On top of that, Abide Asteria is 100% free. All you need to do is go to AbideAsteria.com, and they have everything you need to get started right now. I'm talking quick rules, character building, class options, race options, everything that you can think of is right there on AbideAsteria.com. They even have character sheets that you can use so that you can play the game right away. It is a super, super awesome system. It's very innovative. It is a combination of both sci-fi and fantasy elements. It really hits all the different points that I'm looking for when it comes to playing a tabletop role-playing game. Jorundu and I actually had the pleasure of being able to test this game out the other day, and I'm telling you, everybody, I am not exactly when this is one of the most innovative 
and one of the most fun tabletop role-playing systems that I have ever played. When you go to AbideAsteria.com, they have all the rules for you right there, 100% free, very well organized, very, very easy to get through. It's extremely approachable. The game and player's guide is also digital, so it has these built-in hyperlinks where anytime it's referencing something in the text, you just click the link and it takes you to that part of the document. It was a whole lot of fun and you really need to go check it out. Once again, that is Abide Asteria and you can find that at AbideAsteria.com. And we are back. So before the break, we were talking, well, all about bards. And one of the main topics we're talking about is how they're so versatile and so easy to uh, multi-class with. Or like you could even have, like we literally played an all bard game before where everyone was a bard. (laughs) So you can literally have every character in the party be a bard. And they're all extremely different characters. One of my favorite um, things to do, or well, I guess I've never actually done it besides that all bard game, but I think it'd be really fun. I've always thought it'd be fun is to at least, you know, like say we all make level three characters and then everyone takes one level in bard. And so like you could all say they're a band or something and then they all have that one obligatory level in bard. And then from there, they can make any other class. But I think even just doing that, you could uh, set like set up a whole campaign and even in like a sandboxy way, like you're just a band of bards wandering around and then you can be any sort of character you want to be. Back in 3.5, I had a really complex multi-build where it was like a, it was a halfling, bard, master, thrower, something else. It was just a very dex-based, juggly, quick-witted kind of bard. Um, but master thrower is not a thing that exists in, in 5e. It was like a halfling prestige class. So it just basically gave you lots of bonuses to and feats relating to throwing knives and, and doing that kind of stuff but uh, that would be cool with college of swords You're like yeah a knife thrower juggler well definitely and i think again that's something you can do with you could do performance checks using your dex modifier instead of um charisma for entertaining people relating to feats of um dexterity and uh, you know accuracy and knife throwing and that sort of thing well i um i had my bard shadow dancer which was a lot of fun I've also done a Bard Barbarian blend. Barbarian. <laughs> yep. Uh, my Barbarian was, and she was a halfling Barbarian, which is always fun. I like, I like playing small characters, especially in unexpected roles like a Barbarian. It was great. And I've got one that I never got a chance to play. Um, it was a campaign that just never got off the ground, but it was a Bard uh, cleric. So uh. she sort of sang you well, which was a lot of fun. Yeah, I was thinking about the, the the suggestion for monk bad multi-classes as sort of like Gregorian chants or something, you know, like... Yeah. So I feel much better, thank you very much. <laughs> and that, that pairing goes well with both of them sort of having a lot of uh, knowledge yeah. in their backgrounds. And yeah, pastoral duties and so on, and uh, sense of obligation potentially, depending on you know the alignment of your deity and so on. Um, but yeah, I like yeah, I like that. And there's the idea of songs of praise, you know, like uh, rejoicing in uh, Lathander's name or whatever. Exactly, so many options for that sort of thing because you know music and religion often go to heather hand in hand. So of course it makes sense that that those would be a combination that would work. Sure. 
Sure. You said a bard barbarian. I think now with I know this isn't a barbarian episode, but all the barbarian subclasses, some of them are so interesting that combining those with a bard would be pretty awesome. Like yeah, you, you um, can get ridiculous. Whatever one lets you oh, one of them's like elemental or something. Or, or that something was what like Sakasukas had. Um you can make oh, yourself like remember. the village shaman yeah. or something, and that's why you're so charismatic. And then you have like these elemental powers, and then you know, that'd be like a whole different take on a bard. You wouldn't even think of that as like a bard, it'd be like a witch doctor or something. That'd be kind of cool. Or um one thing that's interesting to me is there's the bard class of the College of Elegant Eloquence, and there's also the college class of glamour. Mm-hmm. And in description, they're both pretty similar. But in their abilities and the, and the different things that they allow you to do, they're very different. So that's two different ones where once again, you can play like a dancer or some sort of like where it's all about being attractive and, and your appearance and beauty and stuff. But the actual abilities you get out of it are very, very different. Sure. I mean, let's bad, bad as spies often as well. You think like, like mm-hmm. Matahari, I guess would be the prime example of that, but any, any, you know, any kind of entertainer, um, Alistair Crowley um, famously did propaganda uh, radio broadcasts for the Germans in World War One, whilst working as a secret intelligence officer for British intelligence. So he's out there p- portraying himself as this, you know, different person to what he was. It's deception-based kind of sort of bardic qualities. And away from that, you know, as, uh, not to go sidelined by Alistair Crowley, um, but uh, but away from that, he was you know he was a man of immense personal magnetism. He like drew people to to follow him. And again, those are kind of bardic qualities, charisma based qualities. And even though people knew or thought you know that he was a, 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 a an existential threat to Western civilization, some people, and yet he's just still able to like amass all these you know followers and people to to listen to what he had to say. So yeah. So int- Bards are so friggin' cool. Stop just thinking that they're just some douchebag with a loot. It's, it's so <laughs> there are so many more interesting things you can do with bards. Um yeah. Uh it really frustrates me when I see all those D D memes about like just oh, and then the bard tries to seduce the dragon. Consequences. Like shut I think up. It's one if- of those things that only exists in it's like in lore like it's like a thing that's never it's really like, happened it's like some everyone's th- a 13 year old boy back in like fucking 1999 did it once and then that was like that was that's it now all bads are just trying to hump everything all the time <laughs> well i know that when i when i create a character i like to sort of get an idea of who i want them to be before i even worry about what yeah, class definitely. i'm going to do definitely. and honestly most of the time one of the first things i lean towards is bard because so many characters, whether you're basing them just completely off the top of your head or basing them on um, an existing person or a character that you've read about, so many characters can have qualities that are perfect for bards. I find that that is probably one of the main reasons that I'm so drawn to them is that so many different so many different things fall under the category of bard really nicely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no reason to think you could play 20 different bards and each one of them would be completely different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you mentioned like one of them being like a spy. I think that would be really cool. Uh, your 
you know, your upfront is the bard. And then, like I mentioned earlier, you're multi-classing into a rogue or something. Sure. And so undercover, you're like this spy or a thief or a criminal. But on the outside, you're like the singer. And, you know, you're like this guy that everyone loves. And you're the life of the party, but you're really on like a, a mission and you're completely undercover. And, uh, you know, your whole personality is a character you've created and you're working for some organization. Um, sure. That'd be really fun. And I guess you might want to talk to DM about it, but what if the you were spying on the group themselves? What if you were sure, yeah, part of the party you know, but working agent, for the enemy? Yeah. And so, of course, you're going to aid them when it means your own survival. But in terms of your overall goal, you might be part of, you know, part of an, a bigger plot. I think that'd be really cool. Sure. And I mean, on the other hand of that, you could be a, a famous thespian with all manner of disguises and makeups and things like that instead of just being like hiding in plain sight as johnny musician or whatever you use your theatrical appliances to blend into the crowd perhaps alter yourself and take spells relating to physical alteration and that sort of thing and then you perhaps might want to go a bit further and get polymorph at some point it's like uh, to truly exist as a cow i must be a cow um, yeah, you'd take a few levels of arcane spellcasters to get access to polymorph or whatever, you know. I think when I made Gabo, for oh no, I don't know. Gabo's had a lot of iterations and a lot of different a lot of different tabletop role playing games and different rules. But uh, he is a cook, and I think now they have that chef's feat. Uh, I think putting mm-hmm. that in there and then like maybe building him as a bard would be a lot of fun. I think I might have him as a cleric. I either have him as a cleric or a bard or a cleric bard multi-class at the moment. I don't remember, but a bard would be great for like a cook because mm-hmm. you're healing their spirits. You're like, it's like Samwise Gamgee, like, you know, Frodo needed him without, <laughs> without a friend there, without someone to encourage you and keep your spirits up. Yeah. That's just as important as everything else. I don't know. I think a cook would be a really cool. Mark. I think so. Well, I think again. Think about all the all the various different ways that people entertain themselves these days. Have you not ever you, you've watched a Gordon Ramsay show, right? Or Guy Fieri, or Man vs. Food, or you know any cookery program? You know these people are all celebrities to. and entertaining. You know, and even if you just went to a restaurant and oh, you know, like uh, was it one of the teppanyaki places or whatever? Right, the, where they're they're performing, doing all this for you. Flip, flipping stuff. Yeah, exactly. It's it's. And then you'd have you'd have cantrip you'd have cantrips relating to maybe like making a campfire or something, so you can always be there ready to set up your your little uh, hibachi stuff. You know, why not? It's all performance at the end of the day, and if, again, it gives you, it gives you options that you can multi-class into potentially later on for things that will sort of act in service to that as your profession. I don't like to think of like. If you think of most jobs, they require more than one skill tree, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and thats I don't see why that wouldn't be true um, within D&D. Um, you, you need skills from certain other things to get by your job. So if your job is a professional um, master iron chef or whatever that cooks in front of audiences, uh, if, the, if, the, if you can legislate for that within the fantasy world that you're living in, then... Why not? Yeah, you would do. You would have these things. You could have things in service to that as your job or your calling. Uh, and I think there's a perhaps a tendency on on some players' parts to just sort of think, well, if I just could stick to one skill tree, otherwise I'm losing out on maxing out X, Y, Z. But I think people are 
people in general in real life are more rounded than that and i think that should be reflected in characters in games too but again different strokes for different folks i'm not trying to tell you how you should have fun <laughs> yeah but honestly think about every D character you've ever played you don't ever really make it to level 20 like you're thinking no, oh, exactly. i'm gonna hold out because i'm yeah. gonna need this thing at level 12 oh when i get to level 17 i can turn into this way yeah, it's you like you're I mean? never gonna I mean, get it there sounds probably. great but that just doesn't really happen we don't have that many years nope. <laughs> and it's like yeah just play like pick and mix that's the kind of thing you like i don't know what if you had that in the u.s but in the uk we have like pick and mix where you'd have like it's like how you get at uh, the cinema or whatever. You get like a bunch of different candies and you dispense them out and then you just buy them by weight or whatever. Right. That was like my favorite thing as a kid. We'd go to Woolworths and then you'd get pick and mix and you'd go, oh, I want some of this and some of that and some of these and some of those. And like bad gives you all of that. And it gives you, if you've got, if you then later decide you want, you've got strong tendencies towards a martial class, or you want to be a paladin or whatever, then you can do that. And it's not going to be breaking to your character um to do it there's nothing contradictory about being a bad and something else i think because bard has so many components that are common to other classes i really enjoy recommending it as an initial character yeah um, the mechanics aren't as complicated as say a fighter as you get up mm -hmm. to higher levels um, sure sure they're not as complicated as a wizard, but you get a taste of the spellcasting. You get a taste of the, the combat. You get a little bit of everything. So you can figure out what you like so that when you build your next character, you can say, okay, well, I really liked these parts. I didn't like these. So maybe instead of building a bard for your second character, you decide, oh, I'm going to go full on sorcerer or wizard because I really like the spellcasting part and I didn't like the other bits. Or... You know, I took the, the College of Swords and I really like hitting things. So let's forget about all the magic stuff and just go beat something up. Sure. That would be an interesting way to do it. Have like a bard in a lot of ways. And if, especially if you took away a few of their abilities, it could be like a commoner. And you just start with these like random things. And then we say, as after we play a few sessions, now you've leveled up. Now I'd like you all to pick your class. And then mm -hmm. you like start going into a class and in a way that's like yeah. forcing them to multi-class. But I think that'd be really cool. Now, obviously you might have to limit it. Like, do you really want all of them have Jack of all trades? Do you want all, but if you just made them all start as a level one bard, I think mm -hmm. that'd be cool. They would all get bard of inspiration. Yeah. Like you said, especially if they're all brand new players, that'd be a, like easy mode in a way for them to all have bardic inspiration. I yeah. think bad then just represents your lived experience in that case, rather than, you know, being a, your profession. It's just, songs you might have picked up along your life to lift people's spirits or things that you know little tricks and tips that you've learned because everybody fits into a niche within their sort of circle of friends and you know and society right um so i think you know things that i might do somebody else might not but they serve the same purpose within like my family the our individual family dynamics or whatever mm -hmm. um yeah i like that idea It'd be a fun one to explore just sort of like as a gen a generalist class, and then you can specialize from there. My friend Cam, who made the intro music for Dice Talk, he um, played Macho Man Randy Savage, and I'm pretty sure he was a monk, yeah. a, a monk <laughs> slash bard. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure that was what he was, and it was all about he's a big strong bard, but he's also or a big strong monk, but he's also the performer and the you know yeah. oh yeah, well, I mean, come here, saying, like, break exactly you. What I was saying about professional wrestling earlier, it's I super think, ridiculous. Bad is just a natural fit for that. I mean, um, 
It yeah, really is. You have to be a performer so to get into that. Yeah, exactly. And even if that performing is just on a purely physical level and you just have a manager speaking for you, that's still represented by, you know, you can still represent that by using strength as your mm-hmm. modifier instead of charisma or whatever when you're suplexing somebody right. to not really hurt them or whatever, you know, as part of this uh, display of professional athleticism. And bards get access to cantrips, which yes. are the best spells in D&D because you can just yeah, cast no. them again and again and again and again. Mm-hmm. And they're fun, and most of them involve... Cre- if it's a non-damaging cantrip, they usually involve some creativity on your part mm-hmm. uh, as the player. And then you can do some really, really cool things with cantrips. So I love any class that has access to cantrips. Yeah. Minor Illusion is my favorite, but we've covered that in the uh, mm-hmm. Magic episode. That is a fun one. I'm, I'm trying to think of what my favorite bard cantrip would be, but... Honestly, I use so many. Uh, press the digitation. I use it's, that all it's the time the most for useful. everything. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, it is one. the all-purpose utility spell, really. Um, Ernest is the king of press the digitation and utility spells. Yeah, he's an innovator. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely an innovator. <laughs> all right, well, we have reached the end of this episode of Dice Talk. Uh, Danny and Gerundu, thanks for coming on for another episode, and is there anything else about bards you would like to just leave our listeners with? Just one little last bit of wisdom, something they can take away from this episode. Anyone can be a bard. Anyone can be a bard. Not everyone can be a good bard, but anyone can be a bard. As always, I just wanted to take some time to say thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope that our discussions were able to entertain and inspire you. Do you have an idea for a guest you'd like to hear us interview? Or perhaps there's a topic you'd like to hear us discuss on the show. We want to hear about it. You can send us comments, questions, or just say hi by going to dicetalkpod.com. There, you can stay up to date on all the latest Dice Talk news and streaming schedules. Also, be sure to go to majesticgoose.com, where you can check out all the awesome tabletop shows that we offer on the network. If you want to find us on social media, you can do so on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just search Dice Talk and start following us today. You can also get in touch with us by sending us an email to dicetalkshow at gmail.com. And if you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a review. They really help to get us to the top of the charts and get our name out there. Leaving us a review lets us know how you feel about the show, and it really is the best way you can support us right now. Don't forget to tell your friends about us, and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. I'll talk to you next time on Dice Talk. A Majestic Goose Podcast. Oh.